0: Well, on Saturday against USC, we're going to learn something about this Oregon football team, something very important. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, and subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. We got to 4,200 recently on YouTube. Appreciate you all very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepix.com lockdown college. Use code lockdown college for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. USC Oregon this week, not the national landscape game we thought it would be before the season. We're still going to learn something about Oregon, and that's their defense. Just how good is that Oregon defense? So I think they have played really well this year the numbers back that up the eye test backs that up key statistical metrics back that up whether you're looking at pressure rate sack rate third down percentage there are a lot of areas where you look at last year's defense compared to this one you say yeah this one is much better I think they're deeper I think they play a little bit faster I think they are just a really really strong unit make no mistake about it though This USC game has kind of an interesting narrative about it. Oregon's favored by just over two touchdowns, 14 and a half, according to our friends over at FanDuel. And the narrative is, well, USC is terrible. USC is terrible. Let me just put on my devil's advocate hat. Okay, hold on. Let me grab it real quick. There's a little hat here that says devil's advocate. For those listening on podcast, I will let you decide whether or not you think I actually have a hat that says that. My devil's advocate hat here says, USC had a bad loss against Notre Dame on the road, got beat 48 to 20 in a turnover fueled, ugly game. Really, really bad performance from the Trojans. Their two losses to Washington and Utah, both really good teams, came by 10 points and the game was closer than that, and came by a game winning last second time expiring field goal. Okay, Devil's Devil's Advocate hat has been taken off. With that context in mind, I think the generalized narrative around this game is USC sucks. USC is terrible. They're not any good. Compared to their preseason expectations and what they should have been this year, that is correct. If you were to take away the hype of USC though, here's what you would have. A team that can score a lot of points and can't stop anybody. And think about, think about, think about it like this. USC is seven and three right now. Big disappointment. Arizona is six and three right now. Jed Fish would be my selection for coach of the year in the Pac-12. Expectations. It's all about expectations as to how you determine how you're feeling about a particular team. Expectations for Arizona were low. Some people like myself thought, I think this Arizona team is actually gonna, going to be pretty good. I thought they'd be seven and five before the year started. Looks like they're going to get beyond that and at least be an eight win team. They've got Colorado, Utah, and Arizona State left on their schedule. They could win all three of those games and go nine and three. I think they probably go two and one, but they're a good team. So I look at this USC team and everyone wants to dunk on their defense. Why? Because their defense is awful. It is truly awful. They have more talent than their defensive numbers actually indicate. They just don't have a defensive culture. Lincoln Riley has never made it a priority. Just now got rid of Alex Grinch, who never should have been brought over as the defensive coordinator in the first place. So that move is about a year and a half late for Trojans fans. And this USC team has got all that negativity there. Still a seven and three team, still a team with one of the best offenses in the country. And that's why we're going to learn a lot about this Oregon defense, because I have no worries about Oregon's ability to run the football, to score points. It's just been all guns blazing, full steam ahead week after week for this Oregon offense. Doesn't matter who the opponent has been. Oregon has not been held under 30 points in a game this season. I don't think that's going to suddenly start Saturday at Austin Stadium. The defense, however, is going to determine the margin of victory. The defense is going to determine whether or not Oregon wins this game by a field goal and squeaks out an upset loss, or whether they win the game by over 20 and Oregon fans get a satisfying win against USC in the last time they're meeting as Pac 12 foes, because this USC offense is still very, very good. Remember, Oregon put up 33 points against Washington. Granted, that was on the road and USC was at home, so there's a little bit of a difference there. But USC put up 42. The offense has not been the problem for USC this year. They almost lost to Cal. You know how many points they scored? 50. They won by one point. They put up 42 against Washington. They lost by 10. They put up over 30 against Utah. I think that's the defense most comparable here and and should kind of factor into our expectations. But this USC offense has got Caleb Williams, who's going to be the number one pick in 2024. Don't listen to what anybody on the Twitter, or YouTube comment section say about he's not this, that, and the other thing. He's going to be the number one pick. He's going to be that for a reason. He's really good. He's really dynamic. He is Cam Ward on steroids. I think the best way to look at it actually is Cam Ward is a poor man's Caleb Williams. He runs around a lot, can sometimes be a little careless with turnovers, but makes big time throws and big time plays outside the pocket and makes plays with his legs as well. And rushing with discipline is going to be tremendously important for Oregon in this game. You have to keep Caleb Williams in the pocket. He also has a good receiving core. It's not as good as last year because they had Dorian or not um, – they added Dorian Singer. He hasn't been doing a lot from uh, Arizona. And look at where the Wildcats are now. Better position than USC. I bet he well, – I don't know if he feels foolish or not. But anyway, so I look at his USC offense and say, okay, they don't have Jordan Addison – but they still have Brendan Rice. Yeah, that's a good receiver. Mario Williams, good receiver. Taj Washington, good receiver. Caleb Williams spreads the ball around. They get their running backs involved. Not always as often as I feel they should. They did a nice job against Washington last week. I thought being more committed to the run, that's an underrated aspect here for Oregon's defense. Is if you slow down USC's rushing attack, you can make them, you know, they don't have a stubbornness to stick to the run. If you take it away early, Lincoln Riley will say, all right, let's just throw it 45 times with Caleb Williams. And sometimes that works, but sometimes it's asking too much of him. Caleb Williams has had some turnover games this year. He's also had a lot of games where he puts up a lot of yards. I think he still leads all FBS quarterbacks and total touchdowns. I think I saw that somewhere. He's still a really, really good quarterback and a tough player. And he, with Lincoln Riley and the weapons they have, their offensive line is probably the weakest area of, uh, of the offensive side of the ball. I don't think they've been great in the trenches this year. I think Oregon's front four have an opportunity to succeed, but tackling Caleb Williams is really, really hard. It is really difficult, and that's going to be the challenge. So that's why I think we're going to learn a lot about this Oregon defense is I've loved, not liked, loved the way they have played this year, the way they played against Colorado, whose offense had been humming, the way they played against Stanford, not allowing touchdown, the way they played against Washington, they did enough to win the football game. They, with two minutes to go, allowed 29 points to a really good offense on the road. That should have been enough. Unfortunately, it wasn't. You look at the way they played against Utah. No touchdowns. Awesome. You look at the way they played against Cal. Six points in the second half. And by the way, only actually allowed 12 because the offense gave Cal seven points in that first half. They have played well week after week after week. And does USC present a greater challenge? Yeah, along with Washington. I think it's just one of the two best offenses Oregon will face all season long. So I think there will be more points than a Cal or a Utah were able to put up on this Oregon defense. But we're going to learn just how good they are and how good they're capable of being for the rest of this 2023 season. Because they are getting a very, very real challenge. The defense of UAC is not much of a challenge. The offense is still something to be concerned about because they know how to score a lot of points so another thought about the defense are they going to come out play with their hair on fire well Dan Lanning was firing up yesterday and uh we'll we'll, we'll talk about that let's talk about uncertainty though and how you want to be prepared for it with our friends over at Jace Medical so we spend a lot of time talking together you and I We get fired up on wins and fired up in the in the wrong direction for losses and I'm I'm grateful for that connection that we have. You want to be connected to peace of mind, medically speaking, which is why you should go get the Jace case, which provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor-created and doctor-recommended. You don't want to be caught unprepared in today's crazy, uncertain, wild, out-of-control world sometimes. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. If you or someone we love would love to get peace of mind by getting your supply of a, any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember, use promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. That's jacemedical.com. All righty, let's keep things going. Mailbag time. YouTube comments, Twitter, or become a Locked on Ducks insider over at Subtext. You get breaking news, reaction, full thoughts, analysis, everything like that that you don't get if you're just listening to or watching the show, which is free and available to you on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Don't worry, it's not a requirement in any way shape or form, but you do get priority mailbag access over there. So, before we get to those questions, Building off of the thought on the defense. This question came in from Blazer Duck. Spencer, I feel that Oregon's defense is going to play with their hair on fire against USC. And here's why. One, it's USC. I like that reason. Two, Oregon wins out and they play in the Pac-12 Championship slash CFP. Three, a lot of players from LA would love to stick it to USC. Four, Oregon's defense wants to see Bo Nix, not Caleb Williams, win the Heisman. Caleb Williams is not winning the Heisman. And there's no better way than to kick the crud out of their offense and smack Williams all over the field. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, Blazer Duck in here bringing the heat with the questions, bringing the energy, and I'm here for it. My thoughts are that the defense is indeed playing at a high level because they're motivated every week. And yeah, I think having USC in town, you know, motivates them for sure. But these guys, for the most part, haven't played USC. Last time Oregon played the Trojans, was a 2020 Pac-12 championship game. Only guy on this defense that played USC then was Brandon Dorless and Popo Amavai. Popo might have been hurt that. I don't actually remember if he played in that game. He was on the team, though. Everybody else is new, and playing USC is, you know, the next opponent for them. And I think that Lanning has done a great job, as I've talked about before, of keeping this team playing at a certain standard, right? Not playing down to the level of their opponent, but playing oregon football the way they're capable of week after week and i think the defense is going to play the way it has each of the last several weeks which is fast ferocious aggressively and really really well overall i think that usc is going to score more points on them than they've seen in a few weeks because the trojans are uh, caleb williams you can run the perfect you can call and execute the perfect defense and caleb williams can still run for a first down. I remember somebody said that about Marcus Mariota one time in his Heisman winning season. Caleb Williams is like that. The guy won the Heisman last year on a team that didn't win the Pac-12 championship or go to the college football playoff because he put up those sorts of numbers. He is that sort of talent. He will make some jaw-dropping throws from time to time. He also, if you're able to pressure him, can try to do too much because he's got Superman syndrome where he feels sometimes that he has to make the big play all the time every time and he tries to do too much and fumbles the ball happened against Washington last week the pressure came off the edge after the initial read wasn't there and he tried to run out of the pocket and ZTF Zion Tuphole Fatui the Washington defensive end stripped him and Washington took over went down the field scored a touchdown Notre Dame picked him off a couple times and forced a fumble as well I don't know if it was his fumble I forget but he's he's a guy who at his lowest the worst you see from Caleb Williams is some inefficiencies and mechanically you can get a little bit haywire and he runs the ball, you know, or he, he runs to keep plays alive. And sometimes that leads to turnovers when he tries to do too much. But when he makes a spectacular play, it's pretty spectacular. I expect the defense to play well, not specifically because it's USC though. Dan Lanning, Apparently, a practice couple people reported Max Torres and Zach Neal both tweeted out that he was saying they're having seven on seven down in Los Angeles right before tackling drill, which I got to say is pretty hilarious, given that USC's defense is, in the words of Joel Klatt, allergic to tackling. He's not wrong. Good question. All right. Subtext. Remember, priority mailbag access in the order that things are received. And that's why you should go be a Locked on Ducks insider. But of course, not a requirement. Show is still free and available to all of you. Hey, Spencer, Bo sits at 78% completion rating with a chance to set the FBS completion percentage record. What is your guess for his total percentage to end the regular season? Well, last year, Bo was at just under 72%. That was an Oregon single season record. This season, I, I did not anticipate that Bo would up it by six, seven percent. My instinct is to say, yeah, you're not gonna stay at 78%. But then again, I didn't think he would be at 78% at this point in the year, because that's a ridiculously high number nine games into the season. That's something you accomplish through like three games with two of them against, you know, Portland State and Hawaii. That's not something you have coming down the home stretch of the regular season as you're contending for a Pac-12 title in a college football playoff spot. So I think that he's capable of being 75% and above. He is a true veteran quarterback, as we all know, the most experienced in the history of college football. He is playing like it every week. You know, every now and then someone will make a joke about, oh, Bo Nix is so old. And he is. No question. It's his fifth year starting in college football but he plays the way a veteran quarterback should, which is he is reading defenses and getting Oregon into certain audibles and situations and and making quick decisions. Like he just knows exactly what the defense is doing, exactly where to go with the football. I'd I'd have a hard time seeing him with USC coming up this week and the struggles they've had defensively and Arizona state, which is a good defensive team uh, down in Tempe next week, more on them in, in, in a little bit and then Oregon State the following week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can expect them to stay at 78%. I'd be surprised at this point, though, with the way they're operating if he goes below 75. I'll get 76. I think he'll end the year 76% completion. Another one from Subtext. With Oregon moving to the Big Ten next year, what's your take on future college football playoff odds with the new strength of schedule? It's no secret to us Duck fans that we've always recruited for other Pac-12 teams to perform well, to boost our strength of schedule, but was now moving into a more elite conference with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, and Washington. We don't need to worry about that anymore, but it's looking like more of an opportunity to rise, but also running a higher risk to to fall. Oregon will have a chance every year in the Big Ten to go to the college football playoff. Just like every year in the Pac-12, they've had a chance to go to the college football playoff. It's a more expanded league. It's an objectively tougher schedule. Oregon next year plays, I'm pretty sure both Ohio State and Michigan, if I remember correctly. I think it's at Michigan and Ohio State at home. Oregon does not play USC next year. They play UCLA. They have to play Washington too. It's a really tough schedule. I think it's tougher at the top end. And then the bottom end teams in the Big Ten just don't scare me very much. I I mean, look around that conference right now. It's my favorite. one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. This is the Big Ten, according to Brad Pitt in Moneyball, portraying Billy being the A's general manager. There's Ohio State and Michigan, and then there's Penn State. And then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's everyone else. That's what the Big Ten is. Nobody is very good. Like, Iowa can't score. I know they have great defense. I don't know why they can't figure out how to score points. Everybody else can. I tell you what. If you took Kirk Ferentz and Lincoln Riley and put those two together, that team would win the national championship by 40 points. If Lincoln Riley moved on from USC to be the offensive coordinator at Iowa, I tell you what, that's a powerhouse waiting to happen. It's never going to happen, though. So, yeah, I think the odds are roughly the same because Oregon is not going to have you know access to an 11-1 season the way they do this year and the way the schedule worked out. They are going to have more leeway, which is why I don't like the 12 team playoff, but they'll have to win some of those big games. They won't have to win all of them. I think if you go 10 and 2 with Oregon's schedule next year, pretty good chance they end up inside the top 12. I I think there's a pretty darn good chance that that happens. So I, yeah, I I don't think it, I really don't think it changes all that much because Oregon's going to be the same team and the access to the playoff is is honestly roughly the same because you have six automatic bids as of now. I don't think the pack is going to – well, the pack doesn't technically have an automatic bid, but I'd be surprised if the playoff committee doesn't go to five automatic bids for the highest-ranked conference champions and seven at-large spots. But once you start doing the numbers there, barring Oregon winning the Big Ten, which is possible but certainly a big challenge with Ohio State and Michigan there – yeah, I don't I I don't see them, you know, doing that as easily as they're able to in the Pac-12. And by the way, Oregon hasn't won it since 2019. I know they won in 2020, but what even was that season? So, you know, Oregon has won the Pac-12 championship when they've had actual seasons, you know, three times in what is this, 12 years or so. So about once every four years feels like in the Big Ten, that's going to be one out of every five. Doesn't mean Oregon won't get into the playoff. They can, but I think their odds are good. Their odds are good. They're going to be able to compete for a playoff spot every single year. It is, however, going to be a challenge because of the uh, automatic qualifiers for the conference champions, which I think is utterly ridiculous. But, hey, who am I? Just a podcast host. So, Arizona State. Why are we not going to have a stumble down in Tempe next week? I'll tell you why. After I tell you about Prize Picks, which is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, the biggest one, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can do combo projections across football and basketball in the specials league. You could do LeBron James and Travis Kelsey over 10 and a half three pointers and receptions, all sorts of fun stuff like that. And you can play against some of their bigger name players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz in the community each week. To do so, to get started, go to pricepicks.com locked college. Use code locked college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash LockedOnCollege. Use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks. daily fantasy sports made easy. Got in a little big, deep breath and just kind of reset everything. Let's get back into it. Uh, someone asked a question. I apologize. I forgot to kn- I forgot to write your name down, but I saw this question come in. Might have been from Subtext about the possibility of stumbling against Arizona State down in Tempe the way that Oregon did in 2019. I don't foresee that happening for a couple of reasons. Number one, this Oregon team has had a tendency to not play down to the level of its competition. I know they did that against Texas Tech, but Texas Tech with Tyler Shuck at the helm, solid team. Not a great one, but a solid one. That's the only example of Oregon playing to their level of competition, playing down to their level of competition so far this year. We'll see what happens on Saturday against USC, who as I said, is good but not great. The games that are comparable to Arizona State have been Stanford for instance, 42 to 6. Colorado who Stanford beat 42 to 6. Cal 63 to 19. Washington State 38 24. Or Oregon is playing their brand of football, their level of football week after week after week. And that Arizona State team, I think Dillingham is going to do a good job. It's going to take a minute, but he is going to do a good job. He's shown an ability to recruit. He shows a passion about that place the coaches haven't shown before. And that Arizona State team has a pretty good defense, also gave up 55 points to Utah last week. Now, if you remember, Oregon beat Utah by 29 points. They beat ASU by 52. So, Arizona state has a higher ceiling than some people might think on a weekly basis, but their floor is still very, very low. That's still an Arizona state team that lost to Colorado. That's still an Arizona state team that lost to Fresno state at home. 29 to nothing. A good mountain West team beat them on their home field. 29. Nothing. I saw them week one against my Thunderbirds of Southern Utah, an FCS team and a, and a good rebuilding one, by the way, in the United athletic conference took them down to the wire. 24, 21 should have won the football game. So, I'm not worried about that. I know crazy things have happened in the desert before. I talked about this last year when Oregon went down to play Arizona, who was rebuilding and turned out to be kind of a respectable team and is even better this season. I felt that Oregon was going to go in and overwhelm them. I think they'll do this with Arizona State. I don't think there will be an issue there. It's not going to be a super hostile environment because they're, you know, building things back up and trying to get good attendance numbers. They've been okay. But I also don't worry about Bo Nix on the road because – Look at what he did against Utah. They hadn't lost there since 2018. Their fans had not watched the Utah Utes lose a football game at Rice Eccles since 2018. Bo Nix, the company, beat him 35 to six. I, I think Oregon is going to be just fine. So I think Oregon's one reason. And then Arizona State is, is banged up. They've had quarterbacks rotating in and out, and their defense is good. They, they they're well schemed. They don't have a they they have a couple good players, but mostly they're just well schemed. Oregon can out talent them, and then offensively, ASU is weak. ASU is pretty darn weak and I, I fully expect Oregon to be fine next week. So I know we have horrors of going down to the desert, but I think this Oregon team is better than 2019 and this Arizona state team is worse than 2019. They were five and four going into that game. Oregon was eight and one went down to the desert or nine and one, maybe nine and one. Yeah. Cause I think we played Oregon state the following week, but um, yeah, Oregon will be fine. Last question for today. Jeff, how many times has this year, has the ducks defense made successful adjustments? And can you see recruits noticing how much more landings players are coached up versus a crystal ball type of coach, or how would you account for Oregon's huge step forward this year with guys like Bo? So I think that will Stein has been great for Bo Nix and that Bo Nix has been great for Bo Nix. Cause that's the sort of guy he is. He's a film junkie. He's a leader. He's experienced and knows what the offense needs to do to be successful. And executes on a weekly basis. So I think that Lanning deserves some credit for sure. It's not like he's uninvolved offensively. It's a huge misnomer in my view about, you know, head coaches that come from a particular side of the ball. Most coaches are not like, and Lanning falls into this category. Most coaches are not like Lincoln Riley or Chip Kelly, where it's, I'm going to do the offense. You guys do the defense and I'm going to pay no attention over there. Lanning is having probably more involved conversations on the defensive side. It's not as if he and Will Stein don't talk or that they have no ideas. You know, like, notice that a lot of the things Oregon does this year, Oregon did last year. That's because Lanning wants them done a certain way. And he brought in an offense coordinator who can execute that vision gives him plenty of free reign, and they do a really, really good job. I think on the recruiting front, no one's, you know, thinking about it in comparison to Mario Cristobal. At least recruits certainly are not. I do think that what Lanning is building defensively is showing up in the recruiting rankings. I had a question on yesterday's show about, hey, are you concerned that the top 11 recruits in 2024 are all on the defensive side of the ball? My answer is no, because the portal's available. I do think that Lanning and Lupoi and Chris Hampton, the job they've done defensively this year, it's getting on on recruits' radars in a really big way. And Oregon went from no five stars when the season started in their next recruiting class to two of them right now. And hopefully those guys, put pen to paper and become ducks. Cause I think Aiden Breeden and Elijah rushing are big time football players next year. So I, I think recruits are taking notice of what Oregon's doing. And, and I think that the coaching and development pitch is clearly being made. I think it's about the on-field results and the recruiting message that gets across. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go ducks.